This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly and I know we've asked it before and the jury is still out but is there a case for not starting Ronaldo in this Manchester-Portugal team? Fernando Santos reads Jonathan Wilson's back catalogue brings in Gonzalo Ramos who promptly scores a brilliant hat-trick Portugal were astoundingly good Jao Felix and Bernardo and Fernandes orchestrating things all while the second best player his generation wore a bib the camera pad to him more often than Gianni Infantino which is saying something but Fair to say Portugal will take some beating. And it'll be Morocco who try a huge moment in their history, a first World Cup quarterfinal, and a victory over neighbours but not always friends Spain. 1,000 practice penalties doesn't seem the best use of their time right now. A glorious defensive performance by Amrabat and friends. And they won't fear Portugal. I wrote that before the Portugal result. Also today, some more dancing, some music reviews and some coat hangers. All that plus your questions. And that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. on the panel today. Jonathan Faduba, welcome. Hello, Max. Hello, John Bruin. Hello, Max. Hello, Barry Glendenning. Howdy. Uh, well, let's start then with Portugal 6, Switzerland 1. We had a lot of questions uh, and comments on one particular part of that game. Sean says, is it childish for me to want Portugal to win the World Cup, but only if he who shall not be named doesn't play. Uh, Bill says a chance of a World Cup final between Portugal and Argentina and Ronaldo's on the bench while Messi scores. Ninth Citizen says any of you worried when the pod is better when you're not on? Alan, with Ronaldo out of contract, would it be worth a club signing him just so you can drop him instantly to make your team better? And Cabanosti says Portugal look like a child who's been allowed to walk to school on their own for the first time. Uh, Ronaldo is dropped. His replacement scores a brilliant hat-trick. Objectively, Barry, that is hilarious. <laughs> Um, I suppose it is. I'm surprised, actually. You seem to be reveling in his misfortune more than I am, and and you're a much nicer person than I am. So I'm a bit surprised by that. Well, we did say we did. I did say before we came on air. By the end, I almost felt sorry for him. But you know, these are the questions that we've got. I'm just the messenger here. <laughs> yeah. Um. It was a massive call for Fernando Santos, but and unquestionably the right call, but. And when you say it's a massive call, you think, well, it was always going to, they were always going to be better without him because it's just, it's, if it's obvious to me <laughs> that they're going to be better without, you would assume it would be obvious to Fernando Santos and even most Portugal fans 
apart from the Ronaldo fanboys. And I think that sizable army might be dwindling by the day. I mean, I must confess, I don't think I'd even heard of Gonzalo Ramos before this tournament, but what an introduction. <laughs> um, that was a splendid hat-trick. Three brilliant goals. He could have had another couple. His first goal was just, wow, sensational. Like on ITV commentary, Ali McCoist was just blown away by how good it was. And Ali knows a thing or two about scoring goals. Yeah, Jonathan, they, as Barry says, the goals were brilliant. Well, he was absolutely sensational. You can't, as a manager, you can't hope for that. That decision just it, in his wildest dreams couldn't have gone as well as that. Yeah, quite. I'm quite excited to to discuss him because many times on the show, Max, you said to me, uh, you must have known him since he was 12 or yeah. stuff like that. And this is probably the first time I can actually say that it's a player that I, I kind of have followed for quite oh, a while. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah. So hopefully I can fill in a little bit, but, and without obviously trying to brag, but I remember watching him in the, in the youth league um, in 20, I think 2019, 20 season. Sounds like bragging to me there, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Geeky, humble brag. No, but um, he is a really, really good player. And it, it's nice to sort of see a player you know, who's come through the ranks, make his name on the international stage. And that's kind of what the World Cup's all about, isn't it? Players that p- few people have heard of kind of bursting onto the scene. I- in fairness to him, he does have it in him, Ramos. He's re- he's a really good striker for Benfica. And he kind of showcased what he can do. He's really good at first, like sort of first touch finishes, running front post or back post. And he's actually really good at those sort of goals and he, he can score off both feet. So it- it's a rare example of a player kind of showing everything he can do in like one match in like... 45 minutes or so and announcing himself on the world stage playing the Champions League obviously for Benfica as well this season but I don't think anyone would have expected him to do what he's he's done this evening I mean a frightening performance and I guess from here now everyone will know about him and and Benfica will probably be licking their lips at um, you know what's to come yeah, and Michael says, how much will Wolves have to pay for him in January? The camera actually panned away, John, from what we really wanted to see, which was Ronaldo hugging or shaking the hand of Ramos at the end of the game. What was that interaction going to be? Uh, what I was thinking was, has there been a generation of Portuguese forwards that we've missed because of Ronaldo? And then finally we get one of them, Gonzalo Ramos. Because before Ronaldo's coming and actually having to play centre-forward, I always just think of Portugal as like one of those teams that are really good, but they don't have a striker. Now, that's with the greatest respect to Nuno Gomes and Pauletta and all these types. And then I'm just thinking, if they'd have had Gonzalo Ramos, they'd have been really good and they wouldn't have needed Ronaldo. Funny old game. One thing to note, big grin on Bruno Fernandes' face after that first goal. Uh, And then, of course, the camera shot we all wanted to see, which was Ronaldo sat on it on, on the bench and then of course he will have been aware of course that the camera's on him so his second goal goes in big grin hey you know ah oh, really uh, you know i'm really part of this uh, i'm part of the gang and then a colleague of mine a friend of mine was was at the game uh, and of course in the second half the crowd who slightly sounded a little like they might be tourists were cheering for someone to come onto the field ronaldo on location reports tell me none of those fans were actual Portugal fans. Wow. Uh, so uh, maybe the worms turn there. Um, Actually, Matty says, this is like Soccer Aid when they bring a celeb on up front yes. and all the real footballers either ignore him or give them a pass because they feel sorry for them. I yeah, they, they want Will smart. Ferrell to come on or something like that. And, it, and then there was that bit with Ronaldo, and this reminded me a bit of Soccer Aid as well, where he's flagged offside. He knows he's offside. I mean, come on, Ronaldo 
by instinct knows that he's offside. Of course he does. And he still goes ahead and finishes it and then does that sort of, oh, did it, did it, was it offside? I, I, did I feel sorry for him? Like you, Max, am I a nicer person than Barry? Nah. Jonathan, you just wanted, you wanted to <laughs> speak in defence of Ronaldo. I don't know if that's taking it too far. I, I don't think I'm going to say defend him, but I maybe want to offer a counterpoint to be considered. Although the way Barry's okay. looking at me, I'm already... <laughs> Work I'm, already I'm, 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 I'm genuinely interested to hear what you're going to say. But I, I just wanted to sort of maybe balance it out a little bit and just say, like, if, if you sort of strip it down, I, I do think there is a bit of a human, human story going on there. If you just ignore who the person is, if you've been good at something for sort of 20 years and you're sort of no longer good at it and you're ageing, I do feel there is a little. Are bit you talking a... to Barry now, or are you talking about Ronaldo? <laughs> what the hell have I been good at? <laughs> just, just in general, like, I think, I think there is a bit of a human story that we, that is being overlooked because of who it is. In the sense that Ronaldo's been at the top of his game for twenty years and been so dedicated to his craft. If you just ignore the name and just think of someone who's really good at something and has been really dedicated to it for, for so long getting to the point where they realise they they're no longer actually that good anymore and they can't really do it to the level they used to do. I, I, do, I do think that his reactions and the way he behaves is kind of like a, a, a failing to deal with the fact that he's no longer that good. He doesn't know how to process his own ageing, which I do feel is an interesting little side point to the fact that it is quite funny and not many people who realise they're no longer good at what they love the most get offered 200 million pounds a season to continue doing it. So I do understand that point of view and I'm not suggesting for one minute that anyone uh, shouldn't laugh about it. But I, I, I have found that an interesting sort of side point to, to the fact that he, he's no longer good anymore, but he doesn't know really how to, how to process it. I, I, this is how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah I, I, actually, I, I think Jonathan makes a, a very eloquent point there because, you know, as long as Ronaldo would like to sustain it and he's had several... Um, operatives in the press talking about how he'd like to play till he's over 40. It's not going to happen. Uh, and he is going through something that so many sports people go through, which is the dying of the light. Uh, but he's going about it in the limelight he's always lived in. I suppose one thing you might say is that uh, if you're nice to everybody on the way up, then on the way down, people might be nice to you. I'm not sure that's always been the case. Um, and the way you know the Ronaldo Inc has operated over the years hasn't always been to everybody's tastes. Um, yeah, there is a sympathy there, and of course, you know Ronaldo's had his own personal difficulties. Um, and yeah, as I said before, the, the camera is always on him. And how do you react like a situation like that? How would we react in that situation? Yeah, like his very sort of open lack of humility is why I think it's funny. But at the same time, and I suppose what you have to think is because he was being the best or the second best or whatever in the world ever. So there are lots of footballers who found retirement difficult or found losing their pace difficult, whatever. But I suppose you can only look at what Pele and Maradona pretty much to go, how did they cope? And clearly, you know, Maradona found life very difficult, right? But, but there are very few people that you can compare at that level of, of absolute brilliance to lose it. And especially while Messi is still doing it, you know, yeah, I, I think it is a real. I'm, good I'm not point. sure Pele has found it that easy. You know, obviously, no. you know, his life has become a 
you know, a sales pitch, and it is demeaned what he once was. And how can, how can Ronaldo step away gracefully? I don't think it's that easy to do so. I don't think anyone. Okay, as Jonathan says, he's been offered two hundred million pounds to play in Saudi Arabia. We believe is that stepping away gracefully. I'm not sure everyone else everyone would think that. There is always an interest in what people do after they were famous and after they were, uh, you know, a superstar like a Beatle or something like that. It will be a very interesting story to see what becomes of Ronaldo. But you know, beyond that, Barry, and I know Switzerland were not very good. And I really thought this was going to be a tight game. I thought this could have gone either way. I really thought the Swiss would give them a game. Like, I've, I, I haven't seen millions of Jao Felix games, but I have, I've seen enough and I have never seen him play that well. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, agreed. Switzerland were everything Morocco were not uh, in their game against Spain. You know, players getting dragged out of position, just just really poor at the back and well they, everywhere. I think Breland Bolo was okay and that was about it. But um we said it before about, you know, uh Barcelona back in the day. It, it for them it must have been like we'd just been attacked by a swarm of bees because Portugal's front five were relentless. They were just made any time they got forward, whoever was on the ball had loads of runners either side of them and Switzerland had no answers for them. I mean, I didn't notice any sort of tactical changes after halftime, apart from Fabian Schaar was taken off. He had a shocker, and uh, he was replaced. It was like-for-like replacement. And, um, you know, there may well have been something I missed, but it it was a a pretty awful day at the office for Switzerland. I, I didn't expect them to win, but I didn't expect them to lose that heavily. No. I I guess the question, Jonathan, is how... Like, uh, without wanting to use a cliche, is now the time we take Portugal seriously? I really just didn't think they they had any chance of going all the way in this tournament. I really thought they were just sort of in the group stages. They didn't really impress me that much. And I've watched that performance, and there are always two teams on the pitch. Switzerland were bad, but it's a, it feels like quite a statement victory, that. And, and just the way they... The fluidity they had was just really joyous. Yeah, I think... Funnily enough, the, the the big question was: Will the manager have the kind of um, the t- temerity to take Ronaldo out of the team? Because they do have forwards, uh, even you know Rafaelio who came on. I think he was on for what five minutes and, and scored a really nice sixth goal. He's yeah, just sort of. I think Ali, Ali McCoy is watching it. Thought it was a deflection, but it's just he just sold the he just sold the keeper somehow and and you know stuck it in the other corner basically and really deft finish. He's a quality forward as well. Um, obviously, Ramos with the with the hat trick, they they do they are really stacked, and I, I feel like maybe we're taking them for, for granted a little. Maybe we've, they've kind of gone under the radar a little bit in terms of how how stacked they are. I mean, I think Bruno Fernandez. Don't think he's necessarily had the best sort of maybe twelve months for Manchester United, but I think he's been one of the players of the tournament at this World Cup. I think he's really in pretty much every game he's stood out, either created or scored something. Um, and I thought he was really good again today. Like you said, Joe Felix finally sort of coming to the fore. He, he looked phenomenal. Um, looked like he's playing with a bit of freedom, which he maybe doesn't get at Atletico Madrid. And when you look at, you know, we talked a lot about Ronaldo, but um, the managers, Santos also left out Joe Cancelo, who was obviously we all know at Manchester City, left him out and they could still bring in Guerrero, Dallo, uh, left out Ruben Neves. Uh, and could bring on Otavio as well in midfield. They're, they're stacked in every area, really, for, for for options. So 
they they are going to take some beating. I, it's like you. I, I hadn't even we hadn't even considered them really to win this World Cup, have we? But maybe it's time to take them serious now. I think Portugal Morocco will will be a really interesting clash of styles, and I wonder. Like I, I, I can't predict that game to be like it's you know now the six one you'd think they'd go on and beat Morocco easily, but I really think that's going to be a challenge that uh, Portugal haven't really faced yet, and that that's going to be a really interesting game. Sean says with all these youngsters who weren't born before the two thousand and two World Cup, making us feel ridiculously old. How nice is it that Pepe keeps going, making us all feel like we still have a chance, John? Yeah, um, and, and and actually, uh, I'm sorry to mention it again, but Ronaldo. Uh, joined in the celebrations of Pepe's goal, didn't he? Uh, and that's because they've been close allies over the last, well, I think since it's Euro 2008. And uh, Pepe's one of those people uh, who, how can I put this, uh, is a bit of a shit on the pitch, right? Yeah, and always has been, yeah. Uh, but actually is known uh, within the football community as one of the nicest lads that you could ever meet. Uh, and everyone likes him and... I was delighted for him. Was he 39? Yeah. And and that makes him, uh, by the calculations of, of everybody, uh, he is the second oldest player to score behind the blessed Roger Miller. And that's quite exciting. And it was some leap as well, wasn't it? It was like a proper brilliant header. Yeah, this is not some creaking central defender. He's still got plenty of the facets that, uh, that, that made him such a top player, actually, uh, you know, back in his golden days at Real Madrid. Jonathan uh, says that they are stacked. Now, is a team with a 39-year-old defender stacked enough to go far in the World Cup? Uh, should they face, let's say, an Argentina or an England or whatever? I'm not sure about that. That, that would be, that would be to me, that would, might be the weakness in the Portuguese and team. I think their keeper looks slightly suspect. I yes. Don't know if anyone else thinks that. That's a good point, though, Max. Who's been a good keeper in this tournament? Allison, yes. Um, Pickford, yes. Pickford has been good. Yeah. Bono. Um, he did, he played. Pretty... Bono played well today, didn't he? I but but and not. All... But not. But it was one game he didn't play, in, of course. But yeah, Luis, I don't trust. No, no. Um, and I can't. Uh, Emmy really Martinez. It, it has a sort of rick in him. I would always yeah, say he's a good true. goalkeeper. It's not been a great goalkeeping tournament, has it? That's that would be my. Not like your eighty sixes with your Jean Marie Faffs and all that type of thing. It's it's not quite been there, and and obviously there have been several bad goalkeepers. And uh, I would uh, put uh, Spain's goalkeeper Unai Simon at the top of that list. Well, we'll get to that, won't we? Um, uh, on the subject of Ronaldo being dropped, and uh, some people, it's quite interesting, Barry, to watch people on social media saying, "Why is everyone talking about him? Because he's not playing. We should focus on Ramos, and hopefully we've done enough of Ramos." But my favourite, and I sent you this clip, I don't know if any of you watched it, it was on Fox Sports in the United States. And uh, Chris O'Dowd, um, who some people think Barry looks like because they sound similar and then they see a picture of Barry and they're, and I was going to say disappointed, Barry. That would be the wrong <laughs> word to say. Anyway. It would be the wrong word. It would also be the accurate word, I think. <laughs> but anyway, Chris O'Dowd tweeted this. That's how I saw it. The host, who is someone called Rob, crosses to somebody called Tom Rinaldi, who says, Rob, there's only one thing worse than being talked about. That's not being talked about. The iconic Irish writer Oscar Wilde said that. Don't know if he was a soccer fan, but he definitely would have been a fan of Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that. Do you, John, do we think 
that Oscar Wilde would have been a Ronaldo well, fan. Oscar Wilde is late nineteenth century, so it's sort of the Wilsonian era, isn't it? You know, so probably a big fan of like the Honourable A. F. Kinnaird. You know that guy that played in five FA Cup finals. Um, maybe saw Steve Bloomer uh, in Bloom. Before I suppose. Said. I suppose in those days there wasn't really a high press, wasn't there? So in many ways, you know, Ronaldo could have really, really fitted well into a like a, a side where Oscar Wilde would have frequented the terraces. Yeah, I think Oscar Wilde was more a WG Grace man, really, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, quite possibly. I don't know. Anyway, I enjoyed that tremendously. Uh, Damien says, with the similarities between these red and green kits, anyone else feel like they've been watching Morocco play for five hours? <laughs> you know, a, a slight tactical switch after ninety, after 120 minutes from yeah. Morocco going, we've, we've defended enough, lads, let's go all out. They certainly perked up, actually. <laughs> they really did, didn't they? Um, okay, well, that, that'll do for uh, part one. We will discuss uh, Morocco's brilliant victory in part two. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. So Morocco and Spain drew nil-nil. Morocco won 3-0 on penalties. I mean, before we get into how bad the Spain penalties were, uh, despite their thousand penalty practice, Barry, you said Morocco would win, but it, it is the first time they've got to the World Cup quarterfinal is a sensational moment for them, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just curious to know, did we leave that bit in the pod? Or <laughs> was that also removed? Like... <laughs> Uh, Chesney, Chesney gate. Um, it was a brilliant performance by Morocco. I thought an outstanding defensive performance. We know they can defend. They've conceded one own goal, I think, in their last eight games. That's it. Good on the counter. They probably should have won it in extra time. Uh, that Wally Chadira guy who kept getting through on goal and then forgetting to shoot, <laughs> which is quite an important aspect of his job, which he seemed to to overlook. But um, I, I have to say, I'm delighted for Morocco. And I, I, I said it before, they are going to take some beating. Like, they really are an outstanding football team, I think. Their, their defence is just immense. And uh, I, I they could win the World Cup. <laughs> do, do you go with that, Jonathan? Could Morocco win the World Cup? Why not? I think what, what we've seen tonight, I mean, who would have who would have backed them to beat Spain? This game was obviously laced in history. Uh, you can go back 500 years to sort of look at the context in this match. Um, and it partly explains the scenes, obviously, from the Morocco fans at the end of the game. One of the best 
World Cup games I think I've seen. Um, maybe I'm partly, maybe it's like recency bias because of, I've just seen it minutes ago uh, and I'm slightly stunned. But yeah, like the, the the scenes at the end just just summed it up. I think Barry's right. Like they, they're slightly underrated in terms of they have a good defence. I mean, Roman Seiss looked like he was playing with a torn hamstring at the end of the match. Like they, He still came back on the pitch and was hobbling around. Um, Nayef Aguer is a decent player at West Ham. They've got an excellent left back. I thought Masrari was one of the best players in the match. He, he tired and obviously went off um, at the end of the game. But, you know, he's at Bayern Munich. Hakimi is one of the world's best right backs uh, at PSG. I think he's an incredible player. And the the stones on that lad to step up, wow! And hit a Penenka. It's I'm, amazing. I'm still getting over it now. I can't can't believe what I've just witnessed. Um, and then and then pull out a penguin dance as well. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think they are they are a well rounded team. They just I think they just lack a, a top top forward maybe. And Nesri, I think might if he'd stayed on, I think he would have taken one of the other chances. But maybe that's the one thing that's they're missing to sort of go all the way. Um, clearly, we're going to have to check with uh, you know, a set of pundits as to whether you're allowed to do a penguin dance after scoring a Penenka to take your country to their first ever World Cup quarterfinal. And actually, you know, people have talked about that camera angle for penalties. Is it as good or isn't it as the traditional one, John? But actually for the Penenka, it really showed just quite how beautiful a scored Penenka looks. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it captured its very essence. Um, if you were going to Penenka a goalkeeper at this World Cup, which goalkeeper would you choose to do it to? I think I know the answer to this one. And it might be you, nice Simon. A friend of mine messaged me the other day, uh, he doesn't really pay much attention to, to football these days, and said, what happened to David David De Gea? Uh, and um, I, Simon has been ropey all, all tournament. He wasn't that bad during this game. Um, but um, Morocco... I think they fancy penalties. Spain clearly did not. This thing that it's it's a repeated policy these days, isn't it, to bring a player on to take a penalty? Now, actually, Sarabia did something that a lot of these players don't do, and it's, this didn't happen in Euro twenty twenty final uh, with Marcus Rashford. Uh, is that he actually got a touch? In fact, he could have scored. He hit the post in the very last minute, but then he misses his penalty, and this keeps happening where they bring on a player to take a penalty, and he misses. And actually, the saddest sight of all uh, is uh, so Busquets, one of the best players of the last 10, 15 years. That penalty was a sad sight, really, wasn't it? Stepping up, that no run-up thing. Now, yeah, just hit it, mate. Just Julian Dix it. Just Kevin Pressman it. Just get it launched, obviously. Just, just <laughs> hit it. Just hit it, mate. Come on. I mean, just, just, I, 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 you know, and I feel desperately sorry because I mean, when we were previewing this tournament, Sid talked about how Luis Enrique wanted um, Busquets to, to, you know, to play the next World Cup, which you know obviously isn't going to happen. Uh, but it's just a sad way to sign off. That surely is it for him. I didn't actually think he was particularly good in the game. Morocco, they didn't control midfield, but they didn't let uh, Spain have the ball in the way that they, they'd like to. And at the end of it, setting aside it, Morocco were brilliant. Um, a bit of Greece, two thousand and four energy for from them. Let's let's say that, shall Absolutely, we? Absolutely, yeah. It, interestingly, sorry, just on on what John was saying, Morocco also brought a, f- a fellow on in one hundred and twenty minutes, presumably to take a penalty, and he also missed. Well, he, yeah, yeah, yes, he did. Yeah, so uh... I did think if if Spain 
and Japan went to penalties, it would just go on forever. We just press <laughs> side footing it to the keeper repeatedly. Stephen said on that sort of Greece 2004 thing, Stephen said Morocco, a young Croatia question mark. I'm interested, you know, Jonathan, you said you thought it was a great game. I thought it was not a great game. I mean, I thought I thought Morocco defended incredibly stoutly. It depends, I guess, what you want from football. But I did sit there watching a lot of it saying, not much is happening here. And maybe I'm just not as much of a purist as you, Jonathan. In terms of the football spectacle itself, if you're purely judging the match on, is this a good match of football, then you'd totally agree with you, Max. You know, it wasn't it's not like a classic spectacle, was it? I think it's just the tension around the game and the, the, like I said, the historic context of the match in terms of, well, I won't get into a history lesson, but you can obviously look back at the history of Morocco, Spain, um, and the history of sort of Christianity and Islam in Spain, basically, is, mm-hmm. is, a, is a fascinating story. And that's what the World Cup is really at the end of the day, isn't it? Like, there's a game of football on the pitch. You might not see an incredible technical spectacle, like you said, Max, you know, Spain, they pass it around. They weren't really that effective. I think on the last show, when I covered Spain, sort of we, we talked about it, didn't we? How they, they're not incredible to watch, really, in terms of what they do. They keep the ball. I think by the start of extra time, they'd had 800 passes and I think 0.09 XG or something like that, which, which summed it up, really. Um, not doing too much with it. Morocco were very content, weren't they, to, to keep the ball out of their net and try and hit them on the counter-attack, but... I just, I just think that also the fact that the Morocco fans were, were you know, took up mm. three quarters of the stadium, they were so on it. And I think that's what made it, for, for me personally anyway, really ex- an exciting match because you just, you felt like Morocco could win this game. And obviously when they did at the end, and like I say, I'm still getting over Hakimi's Penenka, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to forget that for a long time, but just the, to finish it off like that, just to me, it made it like a an incredible match. But I do understand why people would say it was pretty pretty dull in terms of the actual pure spectacle. I, I was just going to say that um, from a footballing context and football history, this was only the, I think, the fourth time they'd ever met. And considering that they are very near neighbours, that's very interesting, isn't it? And uh, that probably speaks to some of the geopolitical stuff that Jonathan was mentioning there. They met, I believe, in a double header for the 1962 World Cup qualifier. And then they met actually in Russia 2018. And then this game, yeah, um, well, Morocco it is a, the most famous victory in their history, no matter if it was Spain or not. Yeah. Um, you know, those of us who remember 86, they were a good team back then. It's been a long road since. Well done, Morocco. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Jim says, how far into the match before you realised that the Amrabat playing for Morocco wasn't the one who played for Watford? First couple of minutes into extra time for me. Yeah, Sofian Amrabat was superb actually Barry in that sort of holding midfield role because not only like physically is he good but his touch on the ball is excellent and he's been great all tournament yeah he was everywhere um I was curious actually his his brother isn't in the squad uh I don't know if he's injured or just wasn't selected but I I presumed it was the Watford Amrabat as well until um someone said his first name and I had to go and check but uh he's his was one of he was the standout player in the match, just snapping into tackles. He he looked there looked to be several Amrabats on the pitch, but he was the only one. We've established that. Um and yeah, Hakimi was great as well, I thought. And just the the whole back four were, were outstanding. It was an incredible display. And I, I'm with you, Max. I thought it wasn't much of a game until extra time and then it really, really got going. 
Yeah, extra time look was quite fun, wasn't it? I was absolutely convinced that that Moroccan defender had put the ball in his own net. Yeah. That's actually yeah. a really good clearance. But I was just like, oh, mate, you can't just then. And then, you know, just just after that, Sarabia hits the post, which actually it's a brilliant effort from Sarabia. That sort of side foot volley is technically so hard. And as you mentioned, Chadira sort of going through twice and then just <laughs> barely pulling the trigger. Peter says on Spain, aren't Spain just the Chesney Hawks of football? They have one hit tune. They've been touring for about 12 years. It's very charming and easy on the eye. But isn't it all just getting a little bit predictable? I mean, they were, John, toothless in this game, weren't they? Chesney Hawks had two hits. Can I say this? Well, you can. Uh, yeah, You're they, a music they, expert. Well, yeah, they, uh, they had... Uh, the follow-up signal was called I'm a Man and Not a Boy. That's from it, the yes. film From the film Buddy Song. Now, do you remember the days when you used to have smoking on planes? Yeah. No, I don't actually, but... Yeah, me me and my sister on a flight to New York, which sounds very posh, I know, uh, found that they were showing Buddy's song at the back of the of the plane, not in the smoking section in which we were sat in. So we sat for two hours amongst a group of people chain-smoking through Buddy's song to see Chesney Hawks' film performance. So I thought I'd add my own touch to the Chesney World Cup saga. Does Spain have their man, not a boy? Is that getting is that putting Morata on? What is what is it? Uh, Nico Williams? Is it Ansu Fati? Like they've got those players. They could they could have a second hit, but it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Gavi, is he a boy but not a man? That's the issue, isn't it? Really, <laughs> and and Pedri. I mean, the thing is with Spain. Uh, setting aside uh, Busquets and uh, Jordi Alba and Aspilicueta, I think was injured for this game. There's a lot of promise there, but as ever. And even, actually, as ever, during their golden era, they need to find a striker. Now, they had David Villa back in 2010 and, and 2008, but they never really replaced him, uh, and he's still the, the, the all-time top scorer. Um, Spain with a striker would be really dangerous, but I suppose we could actually say that about Morocco in this game as well. Um, they are really frustrating to watch Spain. I've done the minute-by-minute minute on a couple of their games during this World Cup, and it, it, you almost pull yourself into the same pattern of Spain are dominating possession, but not really creating much. And that, I made this comparison before, they remind me of the Spain that happened before the Aragones and the Del Bosque teams that were so dominant, where they turn up, play great football, not put away the chances or create enough chances and go out of a tournament. And that's the Spain we're seeing now. So possibly in the future, but uh, if, if Luis Enrique stays around, he's got a lot of talent to work with. Are, are you saying, John, that it's like um, Barry Davis, that, that famous commentary moment with Italy when they, yes. they yeah. lost against South Spain are out because they just will not learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But they, I mean, that's the thing. They have got so much talent. And before this tournament, Jonathan, I think people were starting to say, you know, that midfield of, of Pedri and Gavi looks so, that you know, they're so wispy and nice to watch, aren't they? And they've And they have got, good, exciting players, you know, and I just wonder if Enrique could have utilised them better, could have not got it launched, right? I understand Spain will never just get it launched, but launch it a little bit or just, you know, bring in Nico Williams a bit earlier or I don't know. Yeah, I I tend to agree, really. They were so good against Costa Rica that they almost deceived everybody, really, in in how good they were. Um, That 7-0 game, but the way they keep the ball was so impressive, but when you sort of watch the Germany game and then obviously the um, the final group game against Japan. To be honest, I, I fancied Morocco to, to win this game uh, somehow, to be honest, like before the match, because 
I felt that they would do sort of a similar job that Japan did on the you know at some point in the game. I thought they would be able to be more defensively solid and and catch them at some point. And that's the thing with Spain; they don't capitalize on on that dominance, um, as, as John mentioned. You know, they, but I think we also have to give massive credit to the to the Morocco manager, by the way, because he joined in August while in Rodrigo, and have, they haven't conceded a goal yet. No one scored against him basically since he joined. There was an own goal against Canada, but apart from that, he hasn't conceded a goal in eight matches in charge. He won the African Champions League with Guido Casablanca. And like, I know we're sort of laughing about can they win the World Cup and I don't think it will happen, but I don't think they'll fear the quarterfinals either. And, you know, this is the first time Morocco have ever reached the quarterfinals of a World Cup. The first African manager to get to a quarterfinals of a World Cup as well. So it's a pretty momentous occasion for the, for the continent. And the way he motivates his players, I, I think they can really feel confident maybe of even getting to the next round. Um, but in terms of Spain, just to sort of sum it all up, I think, Enrique's a brilliant manager, but I did feel like a lot of their players that they're relying on, are, it's maybe one or two tournaments too early for them. You know, if you look at when they brought on Ansu Fati, for example, um, Gavi, Pedri, that, that you rarely see international tournaments won by such a young squad, I think, or such a young spine. And so I just feel they didn't have maybe that experience and maturity to, to sort of get through this really tough yeah. game. You can't win anything with kids. Can you? I did like the Morocco manager when when I think Spain missed their second penalty. Was that Soler? And and uh, he just sort of did a massive cheer, like really good. And then he just stopped over and went, everybody calm down. It's like, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you haven't really proved that. Um, I, I, Seb Hutchins is having a great tournament, isn't he? Friend of the pod. Brilliant. Um, it's a really brilliant tournament and he's, and he's been great. But I really enjoyed it on 93 minutes and 32 seconds when he said, you feel a goal now, we'll win it. It's not really sticking your neck out. So... <laughs> Is it? I enjoyed that bit. Sofia Bufal's having a, you know, he can only do about an hour, but he's so much fun. And there was one moment where he he beat his man by just jumping back and forth about four times and then going. And I was like, oh, there's just something about Bufal. I mean, if Morocco win the World Cup, I'll, I will, I'll mainly be delighted for Sofia Bufal. I may release another single. Um, uh, advances, clearly Spain don't like it up and... But question, which team does? I thought it was quite a good question, Barry. That, you know, it's a bit like when you say, oh, you know, no one likes to play against this team or no one likes it. There's no team that likes it up and do they? You can't just go, oh, maybe Stoke, Stoke sort of 2010s. Um, I suppose looking at the teams left in the tournament, Croatia probably don't mind it up and. Yeah, probably. They're, they're pretty, they're up for a fight, a scrap. And Could it be a Croatia... It could be a Croatia-Morocco final. Oh, God, that would be one for the purists, wouldn't it? <laughs> that, that's the final I want, actually. I really? said that. Yeah. No, I think um, Morocco don't seem to mind it up them at all, do they? No, I mean, that's you know, true. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've had this thing of the, the African teams getting to that quarterfinal. No one's got to the semifinals. But also, actually, one of the things about this World Cup, uh, Qatar 2022, and one of the things I do have agreed with uh, is that the World Cup probably needed to come to the Arab world at a certain point. And so yep. to have an Arab country in the last eight, I think is very good for the tournament. Uh, and particularly this Moroccan team, I think, have been a credit. And I've also shown is that uh, you don't have to necessarily be uh, an all-flair team. There is a different way to play. Um, and that tournament football, a lot of the time, is about defending, doing your job, getting uh, through um, and, and actually Croatia who you mentioned are a team that show that as well but yeah I, I think um, if we could mention them FIFA will be delighted that uh, Morocco have got this far 
Uh, all right, that'll do for part two. Uh, we'll do uh, any other business in part three. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, so look, uh, we've got a day off tomorrow. We will do a quarterfinal preview just because they don't want me to have a day off, the bastards. So <laughs> that'll come uh, tomorrow afternoon at some point. Who's your favourite to win the whole thing, Barry? I, <sighs> I don't know. If you were to put a gun to my head and force me to choose, I'm going to say Brazil, but... Not with any confidence. Jonathan? There's a part of me that thinks England England are going to win it. And I might look quite silly in a few days' time, basically. I, f- I feel like there's a point in every sort of top player's career where they get their stripes, where they get the kind of flowers that they deserve for their career. And I'm just wondering if Kyle Walker's going to have that on, on Saturday against Mbappe. I feel like oh. he's been very underlooked like, throughout his whole career, but he's so important to England. And I'm, I'm just wondering if that might see off France... And then there's just this little inkling part of me that feels like England might win it. Um, if not, then Argentina and Messi. Yeah. Sir Kyle Walker. Arise, Sir Kyle. That's so exciting. Um, think of all the all the knighted Spurs right back. Sir Kyle Walker, Sir Jaurier. There are so many. Uh, John, what do you think? Uh, I think Sir Alf Ramsey was a Spurs right back, wasn't he? So there you go. And will there be other knights to come from England? Yeah. Mm, oh, uh, I do think that well, obviously that France game is crucial because they need to win it to get through. Quite obviously, yes, yes, yes. I have a feeling that the winner might come from that tie. I don't really trust Argentina and Brazil defensively, and it's not the dancing, and it's not the fact that Argentina are relying on a on a very old Messi. But the answer is, like all of us, really, if we're honest. None of us have got a clue. It's quite an no, open tournament, no. isn't it? It's quite, yeah. it's, quite, it's quite a fun conversation. Though. On the subject of the dancing, Bradley sent us an email. Hey, all. I wanted to first start out saying I appreciate the pods every day. Um, among the football podcasts available, I certainly enjoyed the variety of panels here the most. So well done to the three of you amongst other panellists. To respond to the conversation yesterday on the Brazil team enjoying a dance, I ask if anyone has watched an American football game recently. Every time they make a play on offense or defense, there are players celebrating. This past Sunday, while watching, I noticed a defender for the Bengals swat away a pass, celebrate, and then get burned on the very next play. So for footballers to celebrate goals, the thing everyone is coming to see, I say, why not? I agree with the notion that it's an unfortunate lost art to the modern game. But seriously, I'd love to listen to to Roy Keane watching an American football game. I don't think he'd last five minutes before losing his mind. This actually has made its way into into Premier League football, I think. Um, and it's made it, I think, via NFL, possibly basketball and possibly rugby as well. Now, Barry watches a bit more rugby than I do, but there's a lot of celebrations, isn't there, of like winning a penalty and uh, scrums. And actually, one of the England squad members, Connor Cody, who we don't expect to see, uh, I was watching Everton at Fulham 
And when every time Everton cleared the ball against Fulham, and he had to do a lot of clearing the ball against Fulham, Connor Cody was doing that sort of NFL-style celebrations and hoop and holler. So maybe that will come in. And I don't think Roy's going to like it. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, but Chiellini and Bonucci, absolute heroes oh, yeah. for doing that, aren't they? Like yeah. properly, like every single one. There's a good clip doing the rounds on social media of some computer game where Roy Keane like scores a goal, his his computer image, and then like does the worm and does all these dances. And it does look, because it says 16 keen, you're like, it looks absolutely hilarious. Tom says, Iliman and Dai just started the World Cup knockout stages in a brand new stadium in Qatar uh, for Senegal. On Saturday, he's expected to play at Bramall Lane against Huddersfield. No real question, just a reminder that life comes at you pretty fast, he says. <laughs> Uh, George says, what does John Bruin think of my Spotify wrapped? Uh, yeah, lots of people got in touch to say they'd listened to Football Weekly for an inordinate amount of minutes um, this year. So thank you for doing that. Uh, George's top five. He says, I'm hoping the last band mentioned in the top artist saved me a scolding. <laughs> and his top five bands are Foles, Coldplay, The Cribs, The Vaccines and The Smiths. Uh, I've seen one of them live and it isn't the one you think it is. Uh, I've seen Foles live years ago when they just yeah. started out. Not for me. Such a music snob, aren't you? No, just, no, just... just can't people just enjoy that? I like now 12. Climby Fisher, Aswad, what's not to like? I like all those too, yeah. That's okay. the thing. You you, you, you mistake this stuff. I do, actually, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love those that pop nostalgia. No, I mean, the Smiths, obviously, uh, no, problematic, though. I, I will confess, uh, I still listen to them now and again. Uh, but um, it's like watching this World Cup, basically. You yeah, know, exactly. You yeah, you, 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 there is a, a moral dilemma in, in listening to the Smiths, but I feel that I would be letting down Johnny Marr, Andy Rourke, and Mike Joyce not to listen to that. And Morrissey is a pillock. We know this. Uh, Mark says, uh, "Oi, Max, you sent me down a rabbit hole of expensive coat hangers. As an aside, we should burn the whole system of capitalism to the ground." This is with reference to Terry Henry's. Expensive coat hanger, which I believed was five hundred pounds, and he's very upset that somebody lost it. One at Sky, maybe apocryphal, so don't sue me, Tionri. I don't know. A couple more to finish with. Why not? Carl says, "Good morning, uh, regular listener and attendee at the live shows in Dublin. Loving the Aloello content. Uh, uh, listen carefully. I will say this only once. Barry might be interested to know that Hair Flick now lives in Dublin. His wife is from Galway. Any chance of the Aloello theme if France win the World Cup or?" For the France England preview, uh, Carl in Dublin. I, I, I believe um, Hair Flick moved into uh, our scented trade. Well, this uh, is the you missed the you missed the whole you missed the, and, the and became from, uh, became a sub editor. Yeah. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, a yeah. friend of mine worked with him. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you clearly don't listen to this pod every day, John, because there was quite the moment. <laughs> Which... Well, I'm. I... <laughs> I'm sort. I'm sort of busy, you know. I would argue it's the World Cup highlight. <laughs> I'd say it's the best moment of this entire series so far. What, um, what was Hairflip being in touch? No, no, no. I mean, I, we don't need to reprise it, but basically, Barry thought the policeman from a lower low became a sub editor of the Guardian, and I found it quite amusing. No, Arthur. No, Arthur. Arthur Bostrom. Yeah, <laughs> of all the yeah. people on earth to be a sub editor, he would not be the best one, would he? Uh, for obvious reasons. And the only thing I'd say about that is a friend of mine is a TV director on yeah. a, a Facebook discussion. I once put some gag in and it was liked by Arthur Bostrom, Officer Crabtree. Well done. And so that I was 
absolutely delighted with that, as oh, I'm sure you can imagine. That, that is tremendous. I believe you were on that pod as well, Jonathan, weren't you? You still don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I was on that pod and I've, like, at the time I'd never seen you laugh so much and I can still <laughs> I, see the joy in your face, even to this day. I sent you a YouTube montage of his best bits. <laughs> Did you watch it? I have to say no. Oh, man. Oh, no. Well, he's well, a genius. Well, listen, Come on. I'll, I'll, send it, I'll send it again. Do you know why? Because I think whenever you tweet, you just get a barrage of replies that yeah. I couldn't draw through. Basically. No, I sent this on the WhatsApp group. I sent you this person. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I said, here is a YouTube five minutes of Officer Crabtree. You I know? will watch it. There we go. I mean, like... I'm going to go back and watch it. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll send it again. Don't worry. A genius. Uh, Big Glass Whedon says, have Wilson and Barney resorted to wrestling naked in front of the fire like Ollie Reed and Alan Bates in Woman in Love yet? And if so, who won? I imagine Ron A having the tenacity and brute force, but Wilson greasing him up like a piglet. It being impossible <laughs> to get a grip on. As yet, we don't know. But uh, we will ask them next time they're on. And that'll do for today. Thank you very much, Barry. Thanks. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Cheers. Football Weekly was produced by Silas Gray. Our executive producer is Christian Bennett. We'll look ahead to the quarterfinals tomorrow. This is The Guardian.